So tonight I'm just going to talk to you about spiritual realities. And I would invite you to look at my blogs for leaders on Wednesday, TED4Leaders.com. And I've been writing on some spiritual realities for several weeks. would encourage you to read those or listen to them. They're always in audio. They're always written. So those are available. You can go to them. And uh, I will be covering more detail of what I'm going to cover tonight. But I want to talk to you as a, as a family, as a, a church community, concerning spiritual realities. Also you as individuals concerning spiritual realities. As we live in a world that is very ignorant towards spiritual realities. So we live in a natural world. The Bible says that the opposite of faith is natural sight. So the world we live in opposes spiritual realities. The awareness of the things of the Spirit. So I'm going to start by saying some phrases that are very specific to you as a church, city life. Specific to you as people of God specific to me in this season of God's grace in the earth and I've said this I texted this to Pastor Caesar here a week ago or so that God has loosed another measure of favor and we must stay in the path of increase when God loses loses favor he does it for a corporate purpose not just for individual blessing God doesn't just want to bless us. He wants us to be a blessing. He told Abraham, in blessing, I will bless you, Abraham. In other words, when you live to be a blessing, I will cause you to be that blessing. And in multiplying, Abraham, I will multiply you. When you live for the next generation, I will call, cause the next generation to be an increase of your generation. And then through your seed or your descendants, a third generation will possess the gates of their enemies. What can't change today, Abraham, will change because of you in the second generation beyond you. The first, the second, the third. Until it comes to a fourth generation, which is, and in your seed all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now we know that is Jesus Christ. But Jesus came to establish things that are covenantal, fourth generation level, permanent things in the earth. So when God says, I've loosed another measure of favor, that doesn't mean I've loosed another measure of it going easy. It means I've loosed another measure of my inheritance to you and all hell is going to break loose to stop what I've loosed for you. But here's good news. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you. <laughs> Light is stronger than darkness. Now, there's a psalm, just while we were singing that little song that God just quickened this psalm to me. It says in, 80, in Psalms 87, Psalm 87 verse 2, The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you. O oh, city of God. Now, as an individual, a God seeker, I'm going to call you Jacob for a moment. You heel grabbers, you, you ones who want the blessings of God, not really for selfish purposes, you just know there's the blessing of God. And I was born to want that blessing. So God loves you, God seekers. He loves you, Jacob. 
what would be the female word for Jacob? I don't know. Jacob and Jacobina. I don't know. But God loves you, sons and daughters, men and women who seek God, who love God. You're here tonight on a Sunday at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Why? You're God seekers. You're, on your own, you're Jacob's. But God loves something more than you, which means it doesn't cheapen you. He loves something more than you. Okay, so I have, I have five grandchildren. I love each of them, but there's something I love more than each of them, and that is all of them together. Wow. <laughs> okay, now, that doesn't weaken or cheapen my love for each of them. doesn't change it one ounce. It just means alone, you're a person I love, but together we are family. Alone you're an individual, but together your destiny, together your purpose. So God has loosed another measure of favor, and you're in the path of increase as Zion, the city of God, the community of God, that brings the blessings of God into the earth. Now, this path is a path of faith, and it demonstrates God's love and brings increased hope. It's a path of faith. And we're being called to be obedient to the faith. Romans chapter 16, Paul says this in verse 25, To him who is able to establish you according to my gospel, my good news, my really good news, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. Now, obedience to the faith requires you to be aware of spiritual realities because the opposite of faith is natural sight. Obedience to a... Uh, a denomination, a non-denomination. You can be a non-denomination, that's a denomination. There's lots of non-denominations. I think my poor wallet, it has several euros in it right now, but I think it has $3 bills, which is not big, but all, all three $1 bills are a common denomination. <laughs> and, and, and maybe my, uh, the guy that picks me up at the airport will like my three $1 bills, because it's all I got in my wallet. But... <laughs> But they're, they're denominations. Okay, so they have a certain value to them. So God loves the things that we've experienced so far in life that give us a value. Uh, we could say there's a common denominator to being part of city life because of things that have happened here before that God has done. So we have, in a sense, we're a denomination. <laughs> we're, we have common Memories, common experiences. We're together because of what God has done. We're together because of what God has done. But the path of, of, of destiny is not because of what God has done. The path of destiny is because of what God is doing and what God is about to do. So if we're going to embrace the path of what God is doing and what he's about to do, if I, as a leader, am going to embrace a path of leading that is concerning what God is doing and what God is about to do, then I have to be aware of spiritual realities. Because the enemy doesn't care about me holding on to a denomination of the past. He's interested in stopping 
the blessing of God in the earth. So he wants to stop the favor of God. He wants to stop the blessing of city life in Deming and beyond. And so he's got weapons fashioned against that. So you need to know what are your weapons and what's the reality. So in this, it's about a relationship. Faith comes, how? By hearing. Hearing God. That's not logos, something that's been expressed. That's a Greek word for word, logos. Something that's been expressed like your written Bible or the things that God has done here, the testimonies that we have from the past, that's logos. What we've become because of God working in our lives, that's logos. But faith doesn't come by logos. Faith comes by rhema. What is God saying right now? So every decision in my life, if I'm going to lead, if I'm going to lead and follow in a path of destiny then I have to hear what God is saying now. And I have to know that the enemy of what God is saying now is my love for what God said yesterday. God loves it that I love what he did yesterday. But if I love what he did yesterday more than I love what I'm not sure I can trust, you see, when God speaks, faith happens, and you're not sure you can trust it. That's why faith only works through love. You have to know he loves you to trust what he says. <laughs> because he's going to say things to you that you've never heard, you've never seen, you've never thought before. And if you don't know he loves you, you'll get offended with what he says. And then you'll resist what he says and you'll even argue with him that it wasn't him that said it. <laughs> And we can take this at many levels. I hope you're hearing even between the lines. I'm saying as we are leaders, as we move forward in the things of God, as we as Jacobs and Jacobinas begin to embrace the path of moving forward, those who want to remain as Jacobs will, won't understand the path and destiny of Zion becoming a city becoming a community that's greater than what we've been before, okay? So you're, you're the core, you're, you're folks, you, there are other special people, but you're special. You're not special needs, you're just special people who are here tonight, and, and you're saying, I want to hear about spiritual realities because we, all of us, even those who aren't here tonight, are on a path of God's favor and we need to move forward and so we need the weapons of God that are greater than the weapons that are formed to stop this. So, now, faith comes by hearing God and faith is connected to one portion of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is a, seven, a perfecting spirit, a sevenfold spirit. Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord. That's a want to, desire. He's the spirit of wisdom. He's the spirit of understanding. He's the spirit of counsel. He's the spirit of might. He's the spirit of knowing as an in intimacy. And he's the spirit of the fear of the Lord and awe of God. He's all of those things. But faith is directly connected to Holy Spirit as the spirit of wisdom. Now, wisdom gets you from today into tomorrow. 
Now, you need the knowledge of today, you need the knowledge of the moment with the sense of tomorrow to get understanding for today. I'm going to say that again. Okay? You need the knowledge of the moment with the sense of tomorrow to give you understanding for today or you'll be stuck in the knowledge of the past. Ooh, I added a good phrase. Let's say that again. You need the knowledge of the moment with the sense of tomorrow, wisdom, to get the, the understanding of today or you'll be stuck in the knowledge of the past. Okay? Now, the knowledge of the past always resists the knowledge of today and rejects the wisdom that will lead us into tomorrow. So it's left with lack of understanding. Well, I'm saying some good stuff here. <laughs> I should say Holy Spirit is inspiring me to say some good stuff in a good way here. Now, wisdom will lead you in tomorrow. Now, only wisdom that will lead you into to God's tomorrow is God's wisdom. God's wisdom is peaceable, pure, willing to yield. God's wisdom is never self-seeking, never self-preserving. It's absent of any fear of death. Human wisdom is focused on self. It has filled with the fear of death. I don't want to change because change would mean the present has to die. And I'm afraid to die. So the spirit of wisdom, God's wisdom, leads us into God's to tomorrow, but human wisdom resists God's tomorrow and tries to hold on to self-seeking today. That's actually the ultimate testimony of the spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel is a spirit of human wisdom that seeks to preserve self by having intimate relationships with things that give identity instead of a trust relationship with God that goes into the future. You see, the wisdom of God is connected to a spirit of prophecy. It's connected to God speaks and something new happens. Whereas the spirit of Jezebel says, I don't want God to speak. I'm going to be the voice and I'm going to tempt you to desire to, to, to live, preserve your life, feed your life with things that satisfy what you believe you can do or what you need. Okay? It, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's the essence. So you can count on, if God is leading you in a path that's moving forward, you are going to be tempted by the spirit of Jezebel. You're going to be tempted to not move forward. You're going to be tempted to be the voice instead of allowing God to be the voice. And so you're going, to, you're, going to create, you're going to create relationships with Baals and Asherahs. You're going to create relationships with masculine and feminine things that meet human needs. <laughs> Zion is not here to meet human needs. Zion is here to fulfill Father purpose. Okay, now... We are in need of wisdom and knowledge to acquire true understanding in our lives. So we discover the wisdom of God through an awe of God in our lives. 
Wisdom and knowledge give us understanding. So now let me just give you some points of spiritual realities. What is it going to take? First, in order to have a, a, a position in your life to move forward in the things that God says, you're going to have to live from the place of wells. Explain this. I'll take you to a scripture. 2 Kings chapter 6. This is Elisha, story of Elisha. Uh, not Elijah, but Elisha who was a spiritual son of Elijah and was a double portion of Elijah. In essence, Elijah was like John the Baptist and Elisha is like Jesus. Elijah was a binding prophet. Elisha is a loosing prophet. Moses, the law, was a binding prophet. Jesus, grace, is a loosing prophet. One constrains and restrains, the other looses and sets at liberty. Okay? Now, <laughs> Elisha, who represents this freedom spirit, which is very relevant to today, very relevant to us as city life, very relevant to us as the body of Christ. He's in a place, I'll read it in, in 2 Kings, beginning at verse 6. It says that, now, the man of God said, where did... Okay, no, this is not the one I want. Second uh, Kings chapter six, verse eight. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, "My camp will be in such and such a place." And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, "Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there." So he's telling this man of God is telling the king of Israel, "There's a trap set. Don't go there." And the king of Israel sent someone to that place, it says, uh, of which the man had told him, and thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Which of us is a spy among us that's telling what we've been talking about in our closed-door meeting? And so they said to him, one of the servants said, none, none of us, my Lord. But it's Elisha, the prophet who's in Israel. He tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. He knows stuff by the spirit that isn't known naturally. It's known by the spirit of God. And, and he knows what goes on in your bedroom. <laughs> so he said, well, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. <laughs> And it was told him, saying, well, surely he is in Dothan. Now, Dothan means place of wells. Place of wells. Jesus said, anybody thirsty? Let him come to me. And out from inside of you will flow rivers of living water or rivers of life-giving water. And what is that about? You will have a personal relationship with God and life will continually be swelling up and flowing out from your life. So the place of wells is where you have a relationship with God where life is constantly springing up and flowing out. So to be aware of spiritual realities, what the enemy's doing or what needs to be done today or what's really going on, you have to choose to have a way of life that constantly lives in Dothan, lives from the place of wells. So I'm not going to live in the place of natural sight in any decision that I'm going to make. 
I'm going to live from the place of wells in every decision that I make. So my eyes say this is possible or that's not possible, but my spirit says, oh, it is possible. So I have to listen to the place of wells more than I look with my eyes. <laughs> now, Elisha is living there. Now, therefore, the king of Syria, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and they surrounded the city. Have you ever felt like city life is surrounded or your life is surrounded? You know, the Syrians come and surround you. And when the servant of the man of God arose early, went out, there's a servant working with Elijah. Elijah is like the, the head of ministry, and now he's got one of the servants in the ministry there with him. Okay? <laughs> it doesn't say who this guy is. I don't know if it's Gehazi. I don't know. But it's a, it's a servant that's working with Elisha who's living in Dothan. I actually think that Elisha's living in Dothan, and I think the servant is serving in Dothan. <laughs> I think Elisha is living in the place of wells. He's dwelling there, and then he's got somebody who's helping him who's not dwelling there. He's just existing there and doing things there. So if God has a plan for city life, then Pastor Caesar has to live in the place of wells in every decision that he makes and he invites all in city life to come also and dwell in Dothan, dwell in the place of wells, especially if you have, or, and absolutely if you have any degree of decision making, you must live in wells or you will not make the correct decisions. So you can't just be a servant of the man who lives in the place of wells, you have to also be a person who lives in Dothan. You have to live in the place of wells. So now see what this looks like. So the Syrians come. Now you can count on when you're going to be doing what God is telling you to do, the Syrians are going to come. And they're going to come with lots of chariots, lots of horses, a great army, overwhelming. It can't happen. It won't work. What you're attempting to do won't. It's not possible. It's not happened before. Look at this. Look at that. There's this. There's that. There's this horse, that horse, that man, that soldier, that weapon. All kinds of things coming. And when the servant, the man of God, rose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city, horses, chariots, and his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? What shall we do? Okay. Now, what's going on around you has nothing to do with what shall we do. The circumstance of Deming has nothing to do with what shall we do. The circumstance of Zion has everything to do with what shall we do. The place of Dothan has everything to do with what shall we do. But the environment that needs to be changed has nothing to do with what shall we do. You catching this? <laughs> so now, he answered, he said... Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, he didn't say, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are against us. He didn't say that. He said, do not fear, there are more with us than with those who are against us. So it doesn't matter if there's thousands, tens of thousands against you. It's the spiritual reality that's with those who are against you that counts. 
And it doesn't matter if there's only a few of you. It's the spiritual reality that's with you that counts. Because the battle is not in the realm of the natural. The battle is in the realm of the spirit. And two-thirds of heaven, just in angels alone, has never fallen. Only one-third fell. Yet heaven is increasing. So Elisha, the man who lives in wells, he understands this truth. <laughs> and so Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open my servant's eyes that he may see. Oh, God, open eyes. I pray that every one of us as servants that I open our eyes, Lord, that we can see what's really going on. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw him. Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. There were spiritual ministers. Ministers are flames of fire. There were ministers, angels. There were hosts of the spirit realm that was with Elijah and his servant that were more in number than the spiritual in heaven realities that were with all of those horses and chariots. And of course, the story goes on. God strikes these Syrians with blindness. And of course, there's a victory. But my point here is, to understand the realm of the Spirit, you have to live in the place of connection to wells. What is God doing at the place of life? Then, the second thing you have to know, is you have to know who's with you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. Now that's not out high in the sky where there's lots of pie. <laughs> that's the, the, the corporate purpose of God. You've come to this place of Zion. By the way, Zion was the former dwelling place of the Jebusites, which means to trample, to destroy, to tread upon you. God loves Deming, and he has a future for Deming, but the Jebusites, the strongholds, which is the strongest hold of the human heart, has trampled on dreams, trampled on promises, trampled on people's hopes, trampled on people's lives until they have this stronghold of disappointment. And Zion is where God's manifest presence becomes the place of rest for God's manifest presence in the place that was formerly trampled becomes the place now of God's seven day a week, 24 hour a day presence of word and spirit. Where you're constantly hearing God and you're speaking His word and you're, you're meditating on His word. You're doing what I said this morning. You're murmuring. You're, you're talking out loud. You're, you're expressing to God the life things of God. So we've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. That means too many to count. Limitless measure of angels. You have a city life has limitless, a, a countless measure of angels with you. To the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. That's not just the church of Deming. That's the church of the first century, the second century, the third, the fourth, the fifth, uh, what are we, 21st, <laughs> and all of the whole church there with us who are registered in heaven. And you, on top of that, I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good number right there. 
countless angels and all of the church that is, that was, or ever will be, that's pretty good. But now let's get even better than that. But also to God. <laughs> Look at the majority. To God, the judge of all. To spirits of just men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than of Abel. So this is what's with us. <laughs> hey, we're moving forward as city life as God has opened the door for his favor to be upon us so that we can bring life and hope to the neighborhood of the Jebusites. We can bring life and hope to our city and beyond because God is giving us a Zion vision, not just a Jacob blessing. He's given us a vision of being the house of God, the place where angels ascend and descend, and the gate of heaven where heaven comes into Deming through this gate. So we've got this with us. Okay, here's another scripture. You've got to know who's with you. You should meditate on this. Man, I've I got so many with me. I, you know, you can, I'm going to go, you know, this week I'll be up in the mountain again, just me, but it won't be just me. I got so many with me. I got innumerable angels with me. I got the whole church is that was or ever will be. I got Jesus, the mediator, God, the judge. My goodness, I got soul spirits that are being justified, being, being changed, transformed. Wow. Man, I don't need to be afraid. Do you need to be afraid? In Romans chapter 8, verse 31, What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> he who did not spare his own son, but he delivered him up for us all. You see, God was with his son, but that didn't mean that God bailed his son out of the path of favor. Hey, Mary, you have found great favor with God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will conceive and have a child and he will be the Son of God. Be it unto me as you say, Lord. Okay, so what? A 14, 15-year-old girl becomes pregnant without having uh, intimacy physically? And tell that to the neighborhood. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, immaculate conception. I get it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And I tell that to Joseph. Joseph, <laughs> You know, the woman you're engaged to, she's pregnant. What? You know, you know, what, do you, what do you think that was like when they left the, the, the carpenter shop area to go to Bethlehem? When they left the city, you think maybe there were a few smirks and sneers. I wonder how much of the city uh, believed in the immaculate conception. <laughs> it, I, I bet you, well, man, Mary, she was popular when she went out of town. Oh, she she went out of town. Oh, that's that pregnant lady. Oh, the one that's not married. Oh, wow. She is so holy. I'm sure that's what happened, right? The favor of God made it really popular for her. And Jesus, I mean, the favor of God was on him. Wow, yeah, that's awesome. Crucify him. The favor of God's on you. Know, the favor of God will get some shouts to you. <laughs> the favor of God is, oh, it's so nice now. 
All the religious people like me. All the sinners like me. Everybody likes me. The devil likes me. I got the favor of God on me. No, if you got the favor of God on you, spiritual realities say that those who are with those who are against you or those who are inspiring people to be against you are those who oppose the favor of God. But the favor of God is on us so that we can teach the manifold wisdom of God to those spiritual powers of rebellion. <laughs> so, if God's for us, who can be against us? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died, furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Wow, Jesus is interceding for us right now. That means he's, he's got one foot in the presence of the Father, and he's got the other foot in the presence of the body of Christ, and he's drawing everything that's in the presence of the Father into the body of Christ. That's what intercession is. Intercession is not, dear Jesus, help us. Intercession is choosing to recognize you got one foot in heaven, you got one foot on earth, and you're going to flood your earthly foot with heaven's grace. You're going to bring heaven into your world. <laughs> so, he says, will anything separate us from the love of Christ? No. Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword... Now, he didn't say none of that stuff will come against you. He actually goes on to say it will. <laughs> but he's saying none of that stuff can separate you from the love of God. Nor is any of that stuff a sign that the favor of God is not on you. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. It's very likely a sign that the favor of God is absolutely on you. The favor of God got Jesus crucified. <laughs> All right, so you've got to... Live in the place of wells. You've got to know who's with you. And then you've got to understand your warfare and your armor. If you were to read Ephesians chapter 6, it says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That means be strong in Him. Be strong in His Spirit. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the, the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now why does Paul say that? Because it's always going to look like flesh and blood. In the same way that God never does anything in the earth without human voice, the enemy never resists God in the earth without human expression. Because in the earth... The authority belongs to humans. So the devil is always going to come against you in human form. And God is always going to overcome the enemy, the devil, in human form. Because the issue was not God had a problem. The issue was man had a problem. But Jesus fixed the problem. He made it so all authority in heaven and earth has been given to a resurrected man who now has sent all men to go and make disciples of all nations. <laughs> so, 
Now, the devil comes against. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Four levels that are going to manifest in human packages. So we might look at the political environment of America or the world and we say, oh, conspiracy, conspiracy, there's a conspiracy. It's those people, they're, they're trying to conspire against us. It's, it's, the, it's the left, it's the right. I don't care what you choose, but you've got to know that in all of that, it's only human packaging. So is there conspiracy? Absolutely. What conspiracy? Not human conspiracy, devil conspiracy. Now, why? Because he is defending himself against you. Because he goes on to say, Therefore take on the whole armor of God, in which you'll be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Now, biblically, stand always means Wherever the soles of your feet walk, I'm going to give it to you as an inheritance. So standing is not standing still. When God says stand still, he's saying quiet your spirit. Don't be anxious. Don't let the flesh influence you right now. He's not saying don't do anything. He's saying don't do anything selfish. <laughs> don't panic. Now... God wants us to stand because we are dispossessing the enemy. We have a mantle called the mantle of Christ. And City Life Church is here to stand in Deming and beyond. To walk through Deming and make it a possession of God. To inherit it. To inherit the land. And its leadership, its membership... Its community, its expression of Zion is to walk through the valley of the Jebusites or the strongholds of the Jebusites with a stronger hold of God's love and destroy the strongholds of disappointment with a stronger hold of God's love. So you're going to change beliefs, which is going to inspire changed actions, which is going to inspire, inspire changed imaginations, changed thinking, which will then ultimately change influence. But it's connected to spiritual realities. Amen. So you have to put on the armor of God. Now, I'm, I'm not teaching, I don't have time to teach on this, but I'm going to simply tell you this. I've heard a lot of teachings on the armor of God. It's simply be clothed in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the Lord. That's your belt. That's the procreative area of your life. It's on the most vulnerable part of your body. It's around your waist, the belt. It is the procreative area of your body, and it's the Spirit of the Lord. You were born to be loved by God. Don't take off the Holy Spirit in the most vulnerable place of your life, because that's where babies are going to come from. The most vulnerable place of your life where you know the truth. The truth is not how much scripture you have memorized. The truth is how much of God's love do you have a revelation of that you could even find in scripture. Is your belt the spirit of the Lord, a want to, a desire? Then also put on your breastplate of righteousness, a right relationship. That's the spirit of wisdom, faith. 
you're going to do works now that are works from your heart. It speaks of your faith toward God. You're going to do new things. You've got the spirit of wisdom is around your heart. You're not making decisions with your head. You're making decisions with your heart. Your heart's been given back to you. And you also have your feet shod with the readiness of the really good news of no separation between you and God. What's that about? That's understanding. That means what's inside of you is going to come out of you, on top of you, and go all the way down to your feet and testify that there's no gap between you and heaven. And so your testimony, your testimony, what understanding do you have? Understanding is your testimony. What we can see is always going to be a testimony of you have peace with God. And so no work of the flesh can separate you from God, so you indulge in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then you have a shield of faith, which is not the same as faith that comes by hearing. A shield of faith, the shield there is like a door, and it's a corporate faith. It's called submission one to another in the spirit of counsel. To be able to know what God says as the spirit of counsel to bring the life of God, light to darkness, healing to sickness, hope to hopelessness. You're, you're clothed in this shield. It, it's an entrance. None of these weapons, by the way, are defensive weapons. You are not defending yourself against the devil. By yourself, understand what I'm about to say. By yourself, you're not that high on the food chain. By yourself, I doubt that the devil's too worried about you. But connected to one another, he's hugely frightened of you. So, God wants you to have this shield of faith that you move forward in the destiny of God, bringing light to darkness, life to death, hope to hopelessness, and then you got your helmet of salvation, which is the spirit of might, resurrection from the dead, which means you could be dead. And you still have might. Why? Because you don't have life, you've got resurrection from the dead life. It's like Princess and the Bride. How dead are they? Well, they're really dead. Well, they're just kind of dead. No, they're dead dead. You, know, you could be like really not just sort of dead, but dead dead. And because of the clothing of the Holy Spirit on you, your thinking has a helmet of salvation. Why? It doesn't matter if I'm dead dead. I don't have life. I have resurrection life and eternal life. I have the spirit of might. And then I have the sword of the spirit, which is not your Bible. It's the word, rhema word, not logos word. And it's a two-edged sword. It's the love of God for God and for others coming out of you. It's the spirit of knowing, intimacy. You've got that sword. And then there's a seventh piece that once in a while I see people talk about these days, but I've been talking about it for like 30 years. And the seventh piece is praying always in the spirit. Don't just pray. Pray in the spirit. Why? You don't know how to pray. So what do you need? You need an awe of God that empowers you to pray according to what God is saying, not what you want Him to say. 
It can even be as simple as kura kara siniata prosata or ha ha oh shaka roma ha 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 oh sata. Don't forget to pray like that. That's called the awe of God, and that's what changes the future generations. So you got to have your armor on. Okay, I'm going fast through this, but I'm I'm just trying to. I'm going to be. I'm going to write on these things in my Wednesday blog more. I've already written on some of them. You can go and look or listen. And you can watch TED for Leaders. And I will write more for you to flesh this out. But right now I'm saying you've got to live from the place of wells to be spiritually aware. You've got to know who's with you. You've got to understand your warfare. You're wrestling against spiritual powers that motivate people. You're not wrestling against people, but you're... Here's the good news. You're clothed in the Holy Spirit. You have the armor of God on you. You have Holy Spirit submersion in your life, which is the sevenfold Holy Spirit. That's the armor of God. I don't put him on in the morning. I wake up and remind myself that he's on my life. I don't say, now, did I get the belt of truth? Oh, I've got to memorize a few more scriptures today because I need the belt of truth. Well, you should be meditating on Scripture, but you already got the belt of truth. You got the, you're clothed in Christ. Please, please don't go to sleep naked tonight. I'm, and I don't even want to know. I don't want to know. You know. Don't go spiritually naked. You, know, you, you can take your clothes off. I don't care. But don't take your armor off. <laughs> where you have to wake up in the morning and hunt. Well, where's that armor now? Because the enemy's coming today, going to try to get me. No, he's not going to try to get you. He, you're going to wake up tomorrow... As a corporate church with the favor of God on you, you're going to wake up tomorrow and be mandated to go get the enemy's territory. You don't even need to go get the enemy because he's already been defeated by Jesus. But you need to go and evict the trespasser. Evict the one who's pretending he still has weapons. By the way, did you know the spirit of fear is afraid? That's why you call him that. Spirit of fear. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know the spirit of hate hates himself? <laughs> the spirit of intimidation is intimidated. That's why you call it a spirit of intimidation. Did you know the spirit of deception is deceived? That's why you call it that. It's a spirit of deception. So don't get in covenant with those spirits. <laughs> now, in addition to this, you've got to understand your authority. Ephesians 1, Paul prays, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. You'd find this Ephesians 1, 18 through 23. I'll just pray it this way. God, I'm praying that you will, you, the eyes of every member of City Life Church would be enlightened, that they would know the hope of your calling, Jesus, for this body of believers that their hearts would be open to understand their part in the riches of your inheritance, Jesus, and that they would also, the eyes of their heart would be open, that they would know your power, Jesus, for your purpose, Jesus, the exact same power that rose you from the dead and made this part of your body, City Life Church, above every principality, power, throne, dominion, and name in Deming or wherever they are sent because they are part of the fullness of you as the body of Christ. And then 
Paul goes on in the next chapters to say, you've got this authority, you're seated in heavenly places with him. So you've got to know then that you have the authority. Principalities are not above you. They're under your feet. You're standing, you're walking, you're moving forward. Who's under your feet? The devil's not attacking your head. Jesus did destroyed the headship of Satan, and Satan's only biting your heel. He shall bruise your head, and you shall strike his heel. You are not coming against the headship of of, you're not coming against the headship of any devil. The head of every devil is under your feet, and the head of every devil is simply like a biting snake trying to get you distracted in your walk, biting your heel. But you have the authority to tread upon serpents <laughs> so that you can move forward. <laughs> okay, then... You've got to understand how to live in the power of your authority. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3. For though you walk in the flesh, you do not war according to the flesh. However, you do walk in the flesh. Okay? The, the, now, you don't war according to the flesh, but you walk in the flesh. That's how you drove your car here today. <laughs> you live in flesh. God loves that you live in flesh. It's much easier to find you on the planet. <laughs> you've got a body. Thank goodness you've got... You walk. You, you, you are in the flesh, but you don't walk according to the flesh. So every decision of city life is going to be in the flesh, but not according to the flesh. Every decision is going to involve body involvement, but not according to the will of the, of the body. <laughs> it's going to be the will of the Father in the body not the will of the body manipulating the Father. <laughs> so, then, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he goes on, he says, Oops. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything that exalts itself against what God knows, or intimacy with God, God's plan, God's purpose, God's love, is going to be cast down, trampled under, by this armor that we have in Christ. We have mighty weapons. And where are those weapons? They're in Christ. They're not in you. They're in Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And what's your obedience? Your obedience is to be Christ. To be in the body of Christ and to be as the body of Christ. That everything about your life, you are the church. You don't go to church. You are the church. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, no matter what you're doing, it's all spiritual. Not like the Greeks who said the gods are there and you're here. Some of the Greeks said the gods absolutely do care, so make sure you throw them a bone every now and then so they don't kill you. Other of the Greeks said the gods don't care, so leave them alone. You got your world, they got theirs. 
And then the church adopted that and said, we've got ours, he's got his, someday we'll go to his. That's bad doctrine. No, ours is his and his is ours. It's just as spiritual for me to work in my garden as it is for me to cast out a devil, therefore I will do both. It's as spiritual to work in your job as it is to heal the sick, so therefore do both. You must be naturally supernatural and supernaturally natural. That's what it means to be a human being. I just often wonder, how did Mary know at the wedding, do whatever he says? We have no recorded record of what Jesus did before the wedding of Cana. But I bet you he did some things. Maybe, you know, a few drunk sheep and pigs when he watered them or something. I don't know. She, he, he had an ability to turn water to wine. Or maybe he was the favorite one at home to pour the water at the table. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus, why don't you pour the water today? Anyway. Um, <laughs> so you've got to understand how to live in your authority. It's in Christ. Your weapons are Christ weapons in Christ. And then you got to know the seasons of God. You can't hold on to a season of the past. Know that the past season will always resist the present season. And the present season is always intended to lead you into tomorrow's season. So you've got to recognize when a season is done and love God more than you love the seasons. And the seasons will change. You've got to find God's presence in every season. And God's presence in winter is different than God's presence in the fall. God's presence in the spring is different than God's presence in the winter. If God's presence in the winter was the same as God's presence in the spring, there would never be any time for the plants to rest. Because when God walked into winter, winter would become spring. And, you know, spring is not of God and winter's of the devil. Winter's of God, and so is spring, and so is summer, and so is fall. You've got to know the spiritual seasons, and then find who is God in this season. Not the God of yesterday, today. He's not the God of yesterday, today. He's the God that is, and He's the God that was, and He's the God that will be. But what time is that real? Now. He's not the God that is, the God that used to be, and the God that will be tomorrow. He's the God that is, the God that was, and the God that will be. Was still exists, but where does it exist? Now. <laughs> tomorrow is real, but where is it real? Today. <laughs> Apart from God, that's not the fact. So, spiritual realities. So I want you to practice being aware, first and foremost in your life, of the presence of God in your life and that every decision of your life has to be based on what He is saying, individually and corporately. Recognize that those decisions are going to be faith-filled decisions, so they're going to be the opposite of what you can naturally see. And recognize that those decisions come from faith. Therefore, 
They're a, a working of actions that come from a revelation of love. So when you hear something new, it's a testimony of God's love for us. And then be aware that you're not alone. There's innumerable angels and spiritual realities with you. I'm not an advocate for you focusing on angels. And I'm not an advocate for you to being ignorant of the fact that there are angels. Because angels from this place called city life ascend and descend. They don't descend here. They ascend and they descend as long as the manifest presence of Christ is housed here. If there's oil on the rock from head to toe and there's no rock that's a pillow but the rock is a pillar if this is a place where God lives then it's the gate of heaven and angels will ascend and they'll come back down. You're in monsoon season not because rain is coming from heaven but because a whole lot of vapors went up during the hot season and they just can't be held back anymore from coming back down. So the water that's flooding your fields didn't come from heaven. It came from escaping the earth. And now the heaven's been so pregnant with what the earth needs, it can't help but let it go, and it's coming back. Angels are like that. They don't come from heaven. They come from the house of God on earth. And then they go into heaven until everything that's needed in the house of God on earth become so pregnant in heaven it can't be held back anymore and provisions come. So be aware of those spiritual realities and then understand your authority, who you are as a body, who city life is, who you are as a believer, but who you are as a body. Be clothed in the Holy Spirit. Understand that principalities, powers, thrones, dominions, those are the things that you wrestle against. But you're not wrestling because they're trying to defeat you. You're mandated to take the territory that they're trespassing on. So you're clothed in life. You're clothed in the Holy Spirit. And you can move forward in this. Okay? And your weapons are mighty in Christ. Nothing can separate you from His love. And so in all of this, Simply, do that daily and keep your head stupid and your heart big and you'll be okay. All right? So that's a quick crash course on spiritual realities. I'll be writing some of these things out in more detail. But God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing here in this expression of Zion. Thank you that this is a city whose builder and maker is you, that this city is compacted, that this city is filled with brilliance and glory and splendor, treasures of your name, and there's a great purpose for this expression of your city. So we welcome your life into city life, that this city, Deming, will rejoice because we offer hope because of the favor of God that's upon us. Amen.